The Morning Blend, a triple shot of Catholicism, conversation, and coffee. David and Brenda start your day with a fresh cup of joy and inspiration, whether it's through interviews, news, music, or prayer. It's all viewed through a Catholic lens. It's The Morning Blend on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Mater Day Radio. The girl from Ipanema goes walking And when she passes, each one she passes goes Ah When she walks, she's like a samba That swings so cool and sways so gently That when she passes, each one she passes goes and a very good Wednesday morning to you. It's June 7th, 7 a.m. David and Brenda with you on The Morning Blend. Thank you so much for joining us. Ah, what a beautiful song. Ah, that, she goes, ah. Yeah, she goes, ah. <laughs> that is Astrid Gilberto singing that, of course. And uh, we play that because she passed away yesterday at the age of 83, uh, confirmed by her son. And we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that recording specifically in the news. It's one of the most recorded songs of all time. Is really? that song "The Girl from Ipanema"? If you Google that, you'll see how many people sang that song, like Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra was one. Being, that's right, being one of them. But it's interesting how that song came to be. So we'll, okay. we'll talk about that in the news. But you and I were talking yesterday about that song that when you hear it, it just brings these images in your oh. mind, like sitting out. I said sitting out in a street cafe yeah. in Spain. You said this was in Portugal. Uh, actually, Brazil. Brazil, She's, okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe having a little sangria, some tapas to go with it, and yeah. just kind of taking in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that's that's what that song is all about. So anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but thank you for joining us this morning. A reminder, Navy ships still rolling into downtown Portland today. Tomorrow was actually the busiest day. I think it was like two, it? two ships yesterday, two today, and I think like maybe seven tomorrow. What? So wow. yeah, Thursday going to be the real busy day with the bridges going up and down. But again, just a heads up, for you if you're driving in the uh, downtown area that uh, you may want to avoid. I think avoid the Steel Bridge and the uh, Broadway Bridge and uh, what's the other one? The uh, uh, Burnside Bridges, I think, are the three ones that will be lifting up and down. So you want to use like the uh, Markham Bridge or the Ross Island Bridge, just a couple of those, Hawthorne Bridge. I will mark that down. Whenever I need to get back to Vancouver in the afternoon (laughs) in an unusual way, David, you and and our our, uh, producer, Aaron, you both get together and you give me a map on how to get there. So I'll check in with you before I leave to find out which way I need to go. That's right. How are you today? Hey, doing good. Good, good. Kind yeah. of an ordinary evening. Yeah. Uh, stopped and saw some friends. We're going to a trip later in the summer uh, to Washington, D.C. Yeah, you were saying that. Kind yeah. of like an all-American family vacation. Now, we're taking our son Christian with us because uh, his eighth grade year uh, at St. Joseph, the school always goes to, the, the class goes to Washington, D.C. Right. It was canceled because oh, that was yeah. the year COVID shut down initially. Sure. And so he always reminds us, I never got to go like the sisters. And we said, yeah. well, 
Let's go. All right. And so our friends have a, a daughter that lives there, so they're going to show us the sites. Very nice. So we were making those arrangements yeah. to make sure that uh, we were all uh, all squared away. It's always nice to have somebody where you're traveling to be your tour yes. guide. To, they know the routes yeah. around because I think that the traffic and the different streets in Washington, D.C. can be a little bit uh, unnerving because mm-hmm. uh, if you get busy. in the wrong lane, you're right. just going out to <laughs> Georgetown. You're not yeah. going where you want to yeah. go. If I were go- to go to Washington, D.C., well, I'll ask you this question. Do you, is there a particular place you really want to go to in uh, D.C.? I, I think that uh, there are some famous restaurants Oh, okay. O- Old Ebbet, I think, is yeah. one of them that I'd, I'd love to try to see. Scott always goes there. As far as monuments go, yeah. I told the group yesterday I really want to go to the, um, let's see, the National Archives. Oh, okay. Because in the National Archives is the original Declaration of Independence. Oh, you want to see that? You can that. see. I yeah. just think that that is such an incredible part of our uh, American history. Is that the one that Nicolas Cage stole? I believe it is. Yes, okay. And I think they have the whole, you know, story about how he managed to get away with it. Okay. In fact, it still might be that replica that he switched okay. it out with. Uh, and then, of course, the Smithsonian Institute. Yeah. Uh, Smithsonian Museum. That's what I'd love to see. That's That would be kind of my topper right there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've been a long time ago. I did go to the Holocaust Museum. We will take another trip oh, there. Yeah. The uh, African American Museum had mm-hmm. not been opened at that time. So I think we're going to stop in there yeah. also. Uh, because, you know, that is our American history. What's wonderful about the Smithsonian uh, Museums, they're free. Yeah. They're, because that's our American, that was kind of our government's thought mm-hmm. is that this is our history. It should be available to everyone. Right. So long as you make a reservation ahead of time. Uh, okay, there you go. So that's yeah. what we well, need to figure out next. It'll be a great trip. Oh, so. we're looking forward to it. What do you have coming up today? Well, David, big news that broke this morning. We heard yesterday that Pope Francis took a stop over at Jamelli Hospital yesterday. Today, he's back there having abdominal surgery. Ooh, okay. So we're going to talk a little bit more about this. This is a little bit more dangerous. He is under general anesthesia. Mm-hmm. So okay. uh, we begin our prayers now for Pope Francis, and I'll tell you more about what's happening. All right. And we'll talk about a cougar sighting in the area as well. So we've got a great show ahead for you on this Wednesday morning. We're going to start things now with Tori Harris face to face. And we are the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio, bridge between your faith and everyday life. Brace of heaven, come and Stop. 
And that is Tori Harris face-to-face. It is 7-Eleven at Mater Day Radio. David and Brenda with you on this beautiful Wednesday morning. Always enjoy talking with Michael Davis, his topic, Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll hear about it right after the forecast. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbybark.com or 503-645-6665. Join Mater Day Radio and Monsignor John Syak with a morning blessing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we beg you for your blessing this day, knowing how good you are, and how you treat us not according to our sinfulness, but according to your mercy. We ask you to bless all the people listening, wherever they are, in their homes, in their cars, at work, and that you would give them the grace that they need to be holy this day. You would send the Holy Spirit to them. Send our Blessed Mother Mary to intercede for us. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. For more prayer resources and to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit MatriDayRadio.com. Day Radio's Leadership Circle connects through all source communications. Is a technology upgrade in your company's future? AllSource Communications is an independent, local telecom brokerage specializing in internet and phone systems. Connect today at AllSourceCommunications.com. That's AllSourceCommunications.com. Or call 503-967-4887 for AllSource Communications. Connecting Mater Dei Radio's Leadership Circle. No matter where your summer travels take you, Mater Dei Radio is always there. Our Hail Mary Media app is the perfect road trip companion. You're always a click away from a treasury of uplifting prayers, including live Liturgy of the Hours from the Benedictine monks at Mount Angel Abbey and a customized schedule of your own daily prayer reminders. The Hail Mary Media app also features a stream of Mater Dei Radio's live broadcast and podcast of all our original shows and new programming not available on the radio. Plus, you can jump into all the exciting summertime activities on the interactive community calendar, the latest Catholic news, and much more. Join the thousands of listeners who are moving through the summer with the Hail Mary Media app. Download it today. Search Hail Mary Media in the App Store, Google Play, or go to MatraDayRadio.com for all the details. Wherever you go this summer, you're never far from the Hail Mary Media app and Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. And it is 714 at Day Radio. Brenda, it qualified for hot yesterday in your metrics. That is over 90. It's hot. That's right. Got to 92 yesterday. Going to be a little bit cooler today. Projected high of 87. May see some morning clouds today as well. Partly cloudy overnight tonight. Low of 57. Then for tomorrow, Thursday, partly sunny, a high of 81. Currently, it is 62 degrees already at Catholic Community Services of Clark County in Vancouver. And 63 degrees at Immaculate Heart Church in Portland. And it's time once again to have a common sense discussion on social justice. Michael Davis is the host of a standalone podcast, and every week you can catch an incredible episode of World Problems 
and how we can solve them right in our own neighborhood. Good morning, Michael. Thanks so much for joining us today. Good morning, Brenda. Well, this is a big topic here. And you talk about, you know, the impact of a government on a people. And, well, you go back to the Holocaust and you pull out a character from this time, a man of a different Christian faith. But boy, we have a lot to learn from him. So tell our listeners who Dietrich Bonhoeffer is. Yeah, so Dietrich Bonhoeffer was uh, a man who grew up in the elite society. So his dad was the top German psychiatrist. So he had... Albert Einstein and others who would come to dinner with the family really? as he was a child. But like John the Baptist, who grew up in high society because his dad was the high priest, he rejects it and embraces uh, a life of justice. And so as Hitler comes to power, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a Lutheran pastor and a professor this time. And he said, you know, I cannot bow the knee to Caesar. Wow. What is incredible about his life story, too, is he was well educated and became involved in the um, in social justice issues while he was being educated right here in the United States. Kind of remind our listeners about these years and how he became involved. Yeah, so he does come to the United States. Uh, I believe a lot of his time was in New York City, but uh, he came here you know, to learn more and met with pastors in Harlem, New York, and different places, but he, he became conscious stricken and thought, you know, I cannot, um, uh, uh, be here in the United States in comfort and ease while people are dying and suffering in Germany. So actually Bonhoeffer was one of the people that tipped off the president of the United States to what was going on in Germany. Cause at that time, the United States wasn't clued in. And so, um, uh, Bonhoeffer goes back to Germany and he says, for the purpose of dying. Wow. So in his mind, and, and if you read about his life, he is finally arrested for his beliefs, but specifically for a plot to kill Adolf Hitler. So how did he square in his mind his pacifism with the larger good and the possible assassination of, of true evil mm-hmm. in the world? Yeah, it's the same thing that Pope Pius XII went through. So so Pope Pius XII is the Pope at this time. He's going through the exact same struggle. So the gist of this podcast is how do you uh, understand what justice looks like when all the lines are blurred? Because when you have something as dark and vile as Hitler on the scene as not just Hitler, but the Nazis, you got the Black Twins, uh, Himmler, and those guys. I mean... What does right and wrong look like? Does murder become a viable option? You know, so the Pope actually said in his memoirs that some of the decisions he made appeared to kill people, but he said, actually, I was saving multitudes Mm. by doing this act. And so, you know, don't judge me what I just did because I'm actually saying. So that's where Bonhoeffer's coming. And he's like, even though he's a pacifist, he's like, do we murder Hitler in order to save millions? And it's not like the end justifies the means. It's just like the lines are so blurred. I can't figure out what's right and wrong at the moment. Michael Davis is joining me this morning. We're having a common sense discussion on social justice. That is the title of Michael's podcast. And you can find that standalone podcast at matradayradio.com. Well, Michael, then do we have direction? Does our church offer us a path forward or an understanding like just war 
Yeah, that's what I was just going to bring up just where I think the church's main explanation what to do in times like that, like Bonhoeffer was facing is the just war. You know, there's uh, several criteria. I don't want to name them right now, but several criteria the church lists that have to be met in order for a war to be just in order for violence to be just. And, and one of the main things is every possibility has been exhausted. Mm. This is just the absolute only possibility. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a prolific writer, and we have his work still available. Now, he is well known for his book, The Cost of Discipleship. So in his mind, was his life the cost? Is that what he writes about in his book? Yeah, and the cost of discipleship, and in a time when the, especially the Lutheran church was just living in comfort and ease, and they did bow the knee to Hitler in order to remain in that comfort and ease, he states, you know, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. So for, and, and it's not just in theology, but Bonhoeffer also talks at length about justice, social justice. And he, he talks about how the call to justice is a call for me to give up my own life for those who are suffering the injustice. So as I said in the podcast this week, feeding the hungry is not about me giving bread and peanut butter to the hungry, but about sacrificing my own meal for someone else to have. Well, Michael, we pray that we don't enter into another world where a force like Hitler can have the control. In your podcast, of course, you take these big ideas, like what you talk about with uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, and then we need to apply it to our own lives. You just mentioned something about feeding the hungry isn't just about giving them food, but giving of your own. So how do we act in a way? How do we let our faith lead us to be able to be the right kind of disciple. But on one hand, I I said, yes, I, I believe and I know what is good, right, and true. On the other hand, I'm a mother who wants to protect, well, I can't provide for my own family. Mm-hmm. I guess there's more of that blurred line. Yeah, it is. In fact, Jesus himself blurs the lines really good for us because he comes to those statements of whoever does not hate their spouse and hate their children, hate their mother and father for my sake you know, Mm. is not worthy to be my disciple or whoever doesn't sell everything they have and gives the money to the poor. So Jesus blurs the lines really good for us. So um, Bonhoeffer came to realize because he was engaged to be married when he was taken to concentration camp, he knew I was sacrificing this marriage that I really want, Mm. but I'm sacrificing it for the sake of Christ and for the sake of the Jews. And so, boy, you know, these, this is podcast in particular, doesn't so much give us the answers as it raises more questions just like this, because Mm -hmm. like, there's this call to die, this call to give up everything. And also a call to understand that this life is temporary. So these children are temporary. These spouses, these friends of ours are temporary, but what is eternal is justice because God is justice in his very nature. So it's like, well. It raises questions, and a lot of people have judged Bonhoeffer for some of his actions, but how do you judge somebody in that situation? Because there's no clear-cut way. Oh, no doubt. And uh, boy, again, to be able to enter into this discussion, Michael, it's a difficult topic, but it's one that we cannot shy away with. You do not shy away at all in this week's episode. Thanks so much for joining us. 
Yes, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And again, that is Michael Davis. So his podcast is Common Sense on Social Justice. I will be sure to add a link to where you can get right to Michael's podcast. You'll be able to listen to this week's episode on the Hail Mary Media app. Of course, you'll access it too at materdayradio.com. And it is 723 at Day Radio. Hey, one of the ways you can support Day Radio is through our vehicle donation program. If you have an old car, a truck, a boat, motorcycle, RV, you can donate that vehicle to Day Radio's vehicle donation program. Just go to our website, click on the Get Involved menu, Vehicle Donation. It'll take you to the main page. All the information is there for you. Just a couple of forms to fill out. It's quick and easy. You're good to go. And a likely tax deduction for you as well. It is Day Radio's vehicle donation program on our website at materdayradio.com or through the Hail Mary media app. Support for Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, family dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Hello, this is Emily Jaminette with A Mother's Moment. Nothing can compare with the life-altering experience of becoming a mother. Society gives a woman about six weeks to recover from pregnancy, but in fact, a woman is never the same after becoming a mother. Catholic motherhood is more than just providing a nice life for our children. It's about growing in our own sanctification and helping our children to do the same. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it states in section 2207 that the family is the original cell of society, where the husband and wife are called to give themselves in love and in the gift of life. Continuing with paragraph 2225, parents should initiate their children at an early age into the mysteries of the faith, of which they are the first heralds for their children. They have the first responsibility for the education of their children by creating a home where tenderness, forgiveness, respect, fidelity, and disinterested service as the rule. We can be this beautiful witness of what the Catholic faith is calling us to live out by practicing charity towards others and creating a holy home in the very first weeks of parenting. Let us pray, dear Jesus. Please help us as we head down the road of family transformation in Christ. Amen. May we be a light in the world by proclaiming our faith to our children. Holy Family Catholic Clinic is a proud member of Mater Dei Radio's Leadership Circle. Located at 21810 Willamette Drive in West Lynn, Holy Family Catholic Clinic is Christ-centered and provides superior, compassionate, life-affirming health care to patients of all ages. Holy Family Catholic Clinic offers medical services that are in adherence to Catholic moral teaching and bioethics, honoring the sanctity of life from conception to natural death. Learn more at holyfamilyclinic.com. That's holyfamilyclinic.com. Hi, everyone. This is David from Day Radio's Morning Blend. I would like to invite you to check out my new podcast, On The Go, where I have a chance to visit with coaches, musicians, artists, and more. We go a little bit more in-depth with the podcast, which hopefully gives you a little more insight into the good folks we talk to. It's On The Go, available on your favorite podcast platform, 
or Matra Day Radio's free Hail Mary media app. I'll talk to you soon. Some are morning people. <sighs> Others are not. <laughs> Either way, we help start your day off right. The Morning Blend with David and Brenda on Mater Day Radio. 727 at Mater Day Radio and wildlife officials say be on the lookout for a cougar. We'll have the details in the news. And Pope Francis held his regular Wednesday audience this morning. Then he checked into the hospital to undergo abdominal surgery. I have an update for you from the Vatican. That coming up in three minutes. This is Sanctus Riel. And my God, still the same. And we are David and Brenda on the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio. Just ask the ways If they are still at the mention of his name They'll say my God is still the same Ask the walls If they still fall at the mighty sound
That is Sanctus Real, and my God is still the same. 7.30 at Mater Dei Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. And in your news this morning, prayers for Pope Francis is scheduled to undergo surgery under general anesthesia at the Gemelli Hospital this afternoon. The press Vatican Press Office announced earlier today. And the operation will involve an abdominal wall reconstruction with prosthesis under general anesthesia, they said. This is a surgical procedure involving the opening of the abdomen. His hospital stay will last several days to allow for the normal post-operation progress and full functional recovery, the Holy See explained. The 86-year-old pontiff held his weekly general audience in St. Peter's Square this morning without showing any particular signs of fatigue. He was still on his feet in the square, greeting newlywed couples when the press office announced his upcoming operation. Now, the Pope left at around 10.50 local time in the morning and returned to the Roman hospital that he had visited yesterday for a clinical test. Now, the operation coordinated over the last few days by the medical team assisting Pope Francis said it had become necessary due to an incarcerated laparoseal, which causes recurrent and painful and worsening sub-occlusive syndromes, according to the press release. Now, Vatican News this morning has reported this as a second colon surgery. Pope Francis underwent one almost two years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, Cardinal Pietro Perlin announced that there has not been any transfer of power while Pope Francis was in surgery, they expect him to make a full recovery. Right. Just we are waiting to hear. It's about 3.30 local time in the afternoon in Rome. So no updates yet than if he is still in surgery or out of surgery right. now. All right. Well, bear sightings in Portland's Forest Park have been in the news lately. Now cougars have been spotted prowling the woods of the popular Sandy Ridge Trail system near Mount Hood. Two cougar sightings were reported at Sandy Ridge last week, according to the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, though neither resulted in injury. Now, the first incident happened Wednesday, May 31st, when a mountain biker reported a cougar briefly chasing them on the lower portion of the hide-and-seek trail. Second sighting was reported Friday, June 2nd, near the kiosk on the upper end of the hide-and-seek trail. And a third sighting was reported at the nearby Faraday Dam outside Estacada. Officials say if you do encounter a cougar, don't run. Instead, stay calm, keep your ground, maintain firm eye contact with the animal, and back away slowly. If the animal seems aggressive, raise your arms, clap your hands, and speak loudly. I'll try to remember that. That, That'd be kind of tough, I mean, when when a cougar's staring you down. I wonder if... I mean, a cougar feels like that. If he sees somebody, a bike moving away from him, that kind of instinct to chase. chase. Yeah, I think that's it. Is what they're kind of talking about. Okay, so bears, lions. (laughs) No, no, no lions. Cougars. Cougars. Yes. Bears and cougars. Although I will say, on a much kinder and gentler note, we had a couple of deer out here yesterday. We did. Yeah. Now, I'm always on the lookout for that bear because Forest Park is just yeah, what, it's a ways the, away. It, yeah. You know, so I feel like, yeah, we might be seeing that bear someplace. The, dares, the, the deer were very nice. They yesterday. were very accommodating. Yes, they they just kind of kept to themselves. But uh, yeah, it was uh, fun to see. We all looked. Yes. 
Well, Pope Francis on Tuesday appointed two new auxiliary bishops for San Diego, California, both immigrants to the U.S. as teenagers. Now, the Vatican announced that Father Michael Pham, 56 years old, and Father Felipe Polito, 53 years old, will be consecrated as bishops for the Diocese of San Diego. Pham is San Diego's current vicar general and escaped Vietnam in a refugee boat with his siblings when he was 13 years old. Now, Father Polito is the Vicar for Clergy and Vocations Director for the Diocese of Yakima here in Washington. Now, he was born in a small town in Mexico in the state of Michoacan and is the oldest of seven children. At age 12, he entered a minor seminary in Mexico where he studied through high school. Then when he was 18, Polito came to the U.S. with his parents and worked in the fields in Washington, picking and packing fruit. He worked as a teacher assistant for three years at the Epic Migrant Head Start program before entering Mount Angel Seminary hey. in Oregon in 1994 Not at the that. age of 24. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Well, from there, he spent time in Rome as a student at Pontifical North American College, earned a degree in sacred theology with high honors at the Angelicum in Rome in 2000. Now, Polito also studied at the John Paul II Institute for Marriage and Family in Rome, was ordained to the priesthood for the Diocese of Yakima in 2002. Polito has served as the pastor of St. Joseph's Parish in Kennewick, Washington, since 2020. All right. Well, we all know about wildfire smoke here in the Northwest, but now it's the Northeast that is getting all choked up. New York City had the world's worst air pollution of any major city during parts of yesterday as heavy smoke from more than 100 wildfires burning north of the Canadian border drifted south. That has prompted New York Mayor Eric Adams to ask residents to limit their outdoor activity and state environmental officials to issue an air quality health advisory for the city through today. Now, New York City public schools canceled all outdoor activities today, but will remain open. At least 10 school districts in central New York State canceled outdoor activities and events yesterday. Smoke has also triggered air quality alerts in parts of Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, and the Carolinas. I saw some photographs of New York City yesterday. Yes. Ooh, not good. Really? Oh, man. It was really dingy looking. It was just heavy smoke. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, prayers that that uh, kind of pushes out soon. Well, dry, itchy eyes, runny nose, sneezing, not because of smoke, but if you're in the Willamette Valley and experiencing any of those symptoms, might be due to the extraordinarily high grass pollen counts in the valley. I know that. You have that trouble, David? I do indeed. Dr. Craig Jacobson, medical director at Oregon Allergy Associates in Eugene, said, we have a very unique weather pattern this year that had March and April very wet and cool. Then the weather dried up and warmed up and all the tree pollen came in. And the grass, well, they're playing catch up and the pollen counts have just been progressively rising over time. Jacobson said tree pollen was high in the early spring. Now wild grasses and cultivated grasses are coming on with a record pollen amounts in the air. Mm-hmm. The Oregon Allergy Associates lists daily pollen counts on their website. And Jacobson said in the last several days, grass pollen count extremely high. 
Now, he expects the numbers to continue to go up. So according to pollen counts, as of yesterday, David, now they say anything over 250 is high. Yeah. So tree pollen, it's now at 26. Mm-hmm. It's gone down. However, grass pollen, 1301. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's a lot of grass pollen in <laughs> the air. Is. Yeah, I, you know, I love June, but I am always grateful to get to July because <laughs> the pollen counts, the, the grass yeah, goes down. The grass starts to go down at that point. You guys laugh at me because I have my little uh, spray bottle, uh, nasal spray. The nasal yeah, spray. You've yeah. got a whole like pharmacy <laughs> I, of, of nasal. Go home and use the neti pot ever? Yeah. No, I, I just use the uh, saline solution, the non-medicated, okay. so you can use it all the time, but it just helps kind of flush the sinuses. You guys <laughs> you guys will hear me in my office. <laughs> Spraying. Spraying. And then, of up. course, you don't you use like the N95 masks I do. when you mow? I do. It's yeah. time for you to get the local <laughs> high school kid to come over and do your think, yard for I, you. I, I think that's very true. Well, in sports, I don't know if anyone saw this coming. Despite lawsuits and bad blood between golfers, The PGA and the Saudi-backed Live Golf announced a merger on Tuesday in a stunning end to their bitter rivalry on the fairways and in the courts. The agreement will also end all litigation prompted by the PGA's suspension of players who had ignored its threats and played in the Live events. Now, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan told the Associated Press that the merger was necessary to end all tension in the game. Tuesday's announcement came nearly one year after Monaghan blasted players for signing up for live events, saying association with the Saudi fund would leave a moral stain. Golf legend Phil Mickelson, who had led prominent players away from the PGA Tour to help form live, tweeted his approval of the news yesterday morning. Some of the PGA players, yes. not very happy. Still not happy with it. Well, because, you know, for they were standing up for the PGA, and then you had these other guys make a huge amount of money by going to the live tournament, and now it's just like, oh, now we're all coming together. So it's going to be interesting where this thing ends up. Okay. Yeah. Well, the Franciscans are well known for their introduction of the Stations of the Cross into local churches around the world. It is a popular devotion based on the events surrounding Jesus' passion and death. In recent years, other devotional stations have been introduced, including one known as the Stations of the Eucharist. Now, this devotion is similar to the traditional Stations of the Cross in that it features 12 stations that are based on various scripture passages in the context of passages come from the Old and New Testaments and are focused on the Holy Eucharist. In fact, the poor Clares of Perpetual Adoration in Alabama, of course, their foundress was Mother Angelica, are strong promoters of this devotion and have developed beautiful meditations for each station. Now, some of these stations include station number three, the manna, prefigurement of the Eucharist and the new manna. Also, Bethlehem is station six. This is the house of bread and the birthplace of bread of life. And of course, in there too is the wedding feast of Cana, water to wine, then wine to blood. It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community. 
And this Thursday, beginning at 1 o'clock, it runs for 24 hours. That's Adoration at St. Michael's Church in Portland. All are invited to participate in a 24-hour period of Holy Adoration in preparation for the Feast of Corpus Christi. Now, you can find details on this event, plus many others, by going to the community calendar, materdayradio.com, and the Hail Mary media app. Well, have you ever been a member or are a member of a church council? Ah, <laughs> well, oh, they didn't ask me okay. this time around. Well, this, uh, this interview is for you coming up after the forecast. Support for Matra Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including the Catholic Youth Organization and Camp Howard. CYO offers local youth positive sports activities throughout the school year and summer camp programs at Camp Howard near scenic Mount Hood. Sports and camp registration information can be found on the web at cyocamphoward.org. That's cyocamphoward.org. This is Father Eric Anderson, pastor of St. Stephen Catholic Church in Portland, Oregon. Please join me in praying the Memorare to St. Joseph. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, almost chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, then never was it known that anyone who implored your help or sought your intercession were left unassisted. Full of confidence in your power, I fly unto you and beg your protection. Despise not, O guardian of the Redeemer, my humble supplication, but in your bounty hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more prayer resources, or to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit us online at materdayradio.com. That's materdayradio.com, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Are you searching for stories of how God is transforming lives in profound and creative ways? Do you want to be inspired to join the mission of evangelization? I'm Miriam Marston, host of Blazing the Trail, and each week through interviews, scripture, and song, we explore what it looks like to share the gospel with courage and hope. Please join me on Wednesdays and Sundays at 7.30 p.m. right here on Mater Day Radio or anytime on materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And it is 744 at Mater Day Radio. Decrease in clouds this morning, high of 87 degrees. Partly cloudy tonight, low of 57. And then Thursday, partly sunny, high of 81. Currently 55 degrees at St. Catherine of Siena Church in Venita. Well, there is a lot to know about our Catholic Church history, which also means... We have a lot of questions. And since Christ founded the church more than 2,000 years ago, councils have come together to address well, many of these areas. But that, too, is a complex history that may be difficult to know the who, what's, where, and when of each council. Well, in his new book, Church Councils, 100 Questions and Answers, author Paul Sens explains some of the most important issues and controversies in the history of the church. Paul is joining me this morning to tell us more about it. Good morning, Paul. Thanks so much for joining the Morning Blend. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Well, first, Paul, let me say you earned your bachelor's and master's degree from one of, dare I say, the finest Catholic institutions in the country. Fill our listeners in. Yeah, I got my I bachelor's and master's from the University of Portland there, obviously, in, in uh, North Portland on, on the Bluff. Um, I uh, grew up born and raised in the Archdiocese, um, 
couple different locations, all within the kind of Portland Metro or Willamette Valley area. Um, and of course got my, my, uh, upper education from UP, uh, which has suited me well ever since. Oh, well, it is wonderful to have you on the show. You are not in the Portland area and, uh, you might be missing some of our beautiful, uh, late spring summertime weather here it's been a beautiful beautiful days here recently and uh, the bluff is especially beautiful this time of year do you miss your years here yeah there's there's a um a lot that i look back fondly on including actually it's just just occurred to me we're talking about it but this book was dedicated as three individuals is dedicated to and one of them is dr michael cameron who was one of my theology professors at the university of portland Oh, well, he must be very proud of the accomplishments of his student. And this is a great book. I encourage our listeners to check out. So we're going to talk about church councils this morning. So I think many of us, we want to understand, we want to make sure we we put things in its right context. Now, we are going through a synod process right now in the church. Can you explain to our listeners a little bit about how a church council is different than the synod process that we're going through? Yeah. So. The synod process, you know, we, we've been hearing that word a lot lately with this synod on synodality, and, and every few years there's typically has been um, a synod, a gathering of bishops. The, the synod process is, can be thought of more as like an advisory process for, for the Pope or for, or for you know, the bishops and other church leaders. So it's a gathering of bishops, other clergy, religious, lay people to discuss a particular topic. Uh, they meet together, they pray together, give presentations, debate, discuss a certain topic, and then make recommendations to the Pope. Whereas the, the council, and usually when we mean that, when we use that term, we're talking about the ecumenical councils. This is a gathering of all the bishops of the world in union with the Pope, teaching the universal church together, uh, you know, united together, teaching the universal church on uh, on matters of faith and morals, or sometimes more um, pastoral um, guidance or disciplinary issues. Uh, sometimes in the church's history, they have met in response to some profound heresy that's dividing the church and, you know, poisoning souls. Mm. Sometimes they've met to, to um, get the clergy in line, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's a smaller issue like that, where there's Maybe maybe um, uh, practical problems that need to be discussed, but it's always the this uh, universal united teaching uh, coming from the successors of the apostles, united with the successor of Peter. If you are just tuning in, I am speaking with author Paul Sense. He is an incredible alumnus of University of Portland, and he's joining me today as we talk about his latest book, Church Councils, 100 Question and Answers. It is out by Ignatius Press. Well, let's talk about them. So we've got 100 great questions. How many church councils have there been in two, more than 2,000 years that the Catholic Church has well, been in existence since Christ founded it himself? How many times have councils been called? So far, there have been 21 ecumenical councils from the First Council of Nicaea in 325, and the most recent was the Second Vatican Council in the 1960s. And then when a, when a council is called together, who are the people that come together from the different parts of the world to sit on this council and 
kind of how long does is the whole process? But I think many people are familiar with Vatican Council. It was a years long process, even took up two popes. That's right. So the the bishops of the world, together with the pope, um, are kind of the, uh, the 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 primary body of of folks at the council. They're the, called the council fathers, and they are the ones who are who have the teaching authority. They've got they they vote on different documents and decrees and that kind of thing. Um, and, and the pope ultimately is is who who promulgates these things, who who um, you know approves approves and, and puts it out. And they aren't the only ones in attendance. Mm-hmm. They will. It's been it's you know varied over time and with different different councils and things, but they will typically also have um, theological advisors, uh, priests, religious lay people, whomever who are there to to maybe give talks or or just advise them. I mean, each individual bishop might have an assistant or a theological advisor he brings with him to help him throughout the process and kind of give instruction, give advice, that kind of thing. Um, recently. The, the the last few councils, they have even invited uh, Orthodox bishops and even some Protestant representatives to be there as um, observers. They, they would they wouldn't have a vote or anything like that, but in kind of the ecumenical spirit of the worldwide Christian Church, the Body of Christ, they have been invited to participate as as in this kind of observer status. Um, and as far as how how long it takes and what the process looks like, that has varied a great deal from council to council. Some of them have been much shorter. Some of them have been much longer. Some of them have been, you know, one right after the other. In some cases, in some cases, there have been a few years between councils. In some cases, there have been three or four hundred years between councils. It just it all just kind of depends. Um, and even the Council of Trent was was you know um, around twenty years or so. All together. Wow! But they weren't meeting constantly. It was kind of a, it was in several different sessions, you know. The, and there might be a few years between between sessions, um, but the but the overall process took took a couple decades. Whereas the Second Vatican Council was about three years uh, with a few different different uh, um, sessions where they where they got together. Well, let's talk about that, Paul. You know, Vatican II. I think for. A lot of people would remember that brought about some major changes, of course, allowing for permanent deacons. Mass was then said in the vernacular. So there were some kind of what we would consider big changes. Were there other councils in the history of the church that brought about some big changes like that also? Yeah, and sometimes a lot of the time in earlier centuries, the effects and decrees of the council might kind of trickle down around the world, you know, there, there wasn't instant communication, so so these things kind of take time. If there was a new a new missile to be used for mass, you know, it would take a while to get that spread around. If there was a, if there was um, a new a new creed that was that was promulgated to emphasize and explain uh, particular aspects of our faith, that would kind of take time to be spread through, spread throughout the world. Um, but one of the, one of the councils that Produced some pretty profound changes, similar to the Second Vatican Council, would probably be the Council of Trent, which was in basically in response to the Protestant Reformation. There had been everyone was aware of the of a lot of the issues that were facing the church, and previous councils had tried to address those but unsuccessfully. And then we had this Protestant Reformation, 
just really took off. And and the church said, okay, we need to get our act together. We need to get we need to right this ship. We need to figure out where we're going from here. And it's kind of referred to variously as either the Counter Reformation or the Catholic Reformation mm. because of, because there was so much that they did to to fix the issues the church was facing and get it set on the right course, uh, including clarifying the church's teaching against the errors of the Protestant reformers and really making that clear. So they produced a a massive catechism. They reformed the liturgy. They clarified the church's teaching on a huge number of topics. And that really, again, over time, because it wasn't instant communication like we have now, but it really did reform the church in a lot of important ways. Hmm. Well, that is amazing. And that's just a little bit about what you will learn in Paul's new book, Church Councils, 100 Questions and Answers. Paul, let our listeners know where they can get a copy for themselves. Sure, they can get it at Ignatius.com from Ignatius Press, or of course, um, always check out and support your local Catholic bookstore. Oh, absolutely. Well, Paul, I really appreciate your time today. And this is exactly my kind of book question. And right there is the answer. It's going to be uh, just a wonderful read for many people. And thank you so much for your time today. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And again, that is Paul Sens. So the name of the book, Church Councils, 100 Questions and Answers, it is out by Ignatius Press. And I will be sure to add a link to where you can get right to Ignatius Press, purchase a copy for yourself. Of course, like Paul just said, any one of our wonderful Catholic bookstores would also be able to get a copy for you. You'll find the link on the podcast of this interview, materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary media app. And it is 7.56 at Mater Day Radio. And don't forget, you can hear that interview and all of our podcasts on the new Hail Mary Media app. You can get all the details on our website at materdayradio.com. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco Family Dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Bringing souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is Modern Day Radio, KBVM, Portland, Salem, Vancouver, KMME, Cottage Grove, Eugene, Springfield, Translator, K235BF, Eugene, and streaming at moderndayradio.com. As we surpass three decades of broadcasting, all of us at Mater Dei Radio are thankful for the many blessings this special radio ministry provides to our Catholic community. To ensure that our faith continues to thrive in today's media, we hope you will consider including Mater Dei Radio in your estate planning. There are many estate planning options to choose from, but one way would be to include Mater Dei Radio as a beneficiary in your will. More information on estate planning is on our website at materdayradio.com. It's good to the very last drop. The Morning Blend on Mater Day Radio. Leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary. 757 at Mater Day Radio and a cryptocurrency platform facing a lawsuit story in the news. And new hope for parents with children and peanut allergies. I'll have that story coming up right after Awaken the Saint. 
Hey everyone, I'm Colleen with Awaken Catholic and this is Awaken the Saint. Some people might think it's boring, but for most, living a stable life and knowing what awaits us each day is reassuring. Today's Saint Robert of Newminster watched his fortunes change radically, but remained steadfast in his way of life. Robert was born at the start of the 12th century in Yorkshire, England. He might have been considered boring by other children his age. He was uninterested in most forms of entertainment and preferred to spend his time in prayer, reading, and productive work. Naturally, he made the decision to study for the priesthood and was soon ordained. After his ordination, he returned to the place of his birth to serve as rector. However, he did not feel suited to this position, and his great zeal drew him to a lifestyle of greater asceticism. He was attracted to the rules of the Benedictine order and entered into the Benedictine monastery of Our Lady in York. When a dozen or so monks were expelled from the order for trying to restore the old Benedictine rule, which was much harsher than what was being practiced at the time, Robert felt called to join them. They were given some land by the Archbishop of York, but even so, the first two years for this little community were positively harrowing. They were mostly friendless, living in utter poverty and struggling every day just to survive. For a long while, they housed themselves in a ramshackle hut and ate whatever they could find. Even in this sorry state, they continued to observe the Benedictine rule without complaint. Their ongoing efforts did not go unnoticed, and word began to spread of this stubborn little community of monks living on practically nothing. The Dean of York was so inspired that he joined their number as a novice, giving up all his wealth to provide them with more appropriate buildings for housing and worship. Their home came to be called the Fountains Abbey in reference to the natural springs that surrounded it. Even with their situation improved, Robert and his fellow monks did not allow themselves to become lax in their ascetic practices. They supported themselves by working outside to grow their own food, and when they were not working, they threw themselves into prayer and devotion, all with a joyful attitude. A number of these monks went with Robert to establish a monastery in Newminster, and in the midst of this holy community, Robert was the shining star. Everyone sought to emulate his behavior, but none could match his zeal. He fasted more strictly and more often than any of his brethren, to the point where they feared for his health. He also spent hours in prayer each day and was said to have the gift of prophecy. As the abbot of Newminster, he carried out his duties joyfully for 21 years, during which time he assisted in the founding of several more monasteries before his death in 1159. As much as we try to steer our lives in a direction that we think will make us happy, there will inevitably be changes we cannot avoid. Robert's devotion reminds us that the only real constant in our lives is God, and his guidance is designed to bring us the kind of joy that isn't diminished by painful circumstances. St. Robert of Newminster, pray for us. Thank you for tuning in to Awaken the Saint. And that is Awaken the Saint. For more information about the saints or to pray with Mater Dei Radio, please download our free Hail Mary media app. Details at materdayradio.com. It's 8 o'clock. And in your news this hour, one of Pope Francis' last gestures before undergoing abdominal surgery on Wednesday was to pray before a relic of St. Therese of Lisieux. No relic of the French Carmelite nun, also known as St. Therese of the Child Jesus, was present on the platform in front of St. Peter's Basilica during the Pope's weekly general audience. Before beginning the audience, Pope Francis venerated the relics of St. Therese in a moment of silent prayer. He also placed a single white rose on the table in front of the reliquary. Now, Pope Francis was taken to Rome's Gemelli Hospital for abdominal surgery under general anesthesia at the end of the morning audience shortly after 11 a.m. Rome time.
The Vatican announced that Pope Francis said Wednesday he intends to publish an apostolic letter on St. Therese of Lisieux, patroness of the missions, to mark the 150th anniversary of her birth. The Securities and Exchange Commission sued cryptocurrency platform Coinbase on Tuesday, charging the company with operating an unregistered securities platform and brokerage service. The lawsuit comes a day after the SEC filed charges against Binance, the world's largest crypto exchange, and its founder accused of misusing investor funds, operating as an unregistered exchange, and violating a number of U.S. security laws. Now, in its complaint, the SEC said Coinbase made billions in being the middleman for cryptocurrency buyers and sellers, but did not give investors lawful protections while acting as a broker. The SEC had warned Coinbase in March that it could face securities charges and had long signaled that Coinbase had been flouting security laws with its position that cryptocurrencies were not securities and therefore did not need to register as a broker. I don't know a whole lot about the whole cryptocurrency oh, thing. I know even less about <laughs> yeah. it. I don't understand what electronic money is, how it's produced, how you get. There's something about like with, um, oh, what's the uh, what's the big one? Um, yeah, I know Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, about solving these complex problems, uh, like arithmetic problems, math problems, and that's mining. That, that's how you mine this, and it takes a lot of resources to do that. It's incredible. Uh, yeah. I, okay. Crazy. All right. I don't think I have much in my portfolio. <laughs> well, signs of protest were widely visible outside Portland City Hall last week as the council began debating a controversial proposal from Mayor Ted Wheeler to ban daytime camping in the city. Now, the ordinance is scheduled to come back for a council vote this afternoon, but not every commissioner is on board. Commissioner Carmen Rubio argues that it would take effect too fast for shelter providers to prepare. And Commissioner Rene Gonzalez wants to see stronger rules around tents near schools and shelters. The ban would prohibit camping on city property from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. with a 24-hour prohibition in places for certain locations, such as schools. The ban will come back to the council for a second reading today, including additional public testimony on any changes that have been made since last week. After that, the council is tentatively planning to vote on the ordinance and, if passed, would go into effect next month. Ah, her iconic recording of the girl from Ipanema brought the bossa nova sound to the forefront of the 1960s. Brazilian singer Astrid Gilberto has passed away at the age of 83, the death confirmed by her son Marcelo. So Astrid was a late addition to the recording in a session with her husband singer Joa Gilberto and American musician Stan Getz. The album later won four Grammy Awards. Her career exploded from there. The Girl from Ipanema went on to become one of the most recorded songs in history. And that album one of the biggest selling jazz albums of all time. Wow. I indeed have a copy. Do I, you? It's got an iconic cover that if you saw it, you would know the cover. Okay. It's, it's, again, it's been out there for years, but 
Anyway, yeah, sad mm. to hear that, but what a what a beautiful song. And you and I were talking about it just brings these images to your mind. It, it really does. Again, yeah. just like a nice afternoon in an mm-hmm. outdoor cafe, a little sangria in my mind and, and tapas and yeah. just watching the world. Like you, yeah. you listen to that and there's not a worry in the world, I, I think. It's beautiful. Again, she wasn't even supposed to be on that song. And they, they wanted, the producer said, hey, let's add her in to this. And that's how it happened. Very smart producer. Yeah. Well, in the landmark phase three trial, a skin patch to combat peanut allergies in children under the age of four has shown to be safe and effective. And the patch works like exposure therapy, slowly training the toddler's bodies to tolerate proteins in peanuts that may cause an immune response in normal cases. For 12 months, more than 300 children participated in the study. By the end of that period, 67% of the children did not experience adverse reactions to peanuts. Like allergies to shellfish or stone fruit, peanut allergies can be particularly dangerous because many facilities that jar and pack spices, grains, tree nuts, and other food stuffs do so in the same facility. So that way there is the chance of contamination. Now the trial, the result from which were published in the New England Journal of Medicine is the first to demonstrate the safety and efficacy of treatments for children under the age of four. Yeah, I none of our kids ever had a peanut allergy, no. thankfully, but I know it can be It tricky. has exploded, though. Yeah. I mean, you think about growing up, I, we never heard of peanut allergies, mm. ever. And then something, it must be maybe environmental, I'm not yeah. sure what's changed, but I have a nephew with peanut allergy, a goddaughter with peanut allergy. Uh, it, it's just really, really common. In sports, with the series knotted at one, Game 3 of the NBA Championship final set for tonight in Miami. So the Heat stole home court advantage in the best-of-seven series with an upset win in Denver Sunday night. Tonight's contest tips off 5.30 on ABC. So the French Open Tennis Championships heading down the home stretch with quarterfinal action today. One of the bigger matches this morning Pit a top seed and former French winner Iga Swiatek of Poland against six-seed American Coco Goff. Oh, come on, Coco. Uh, the match concluded not long ago, uh-huh. and it was Swiatek with the straight Dang. set win, 6-4, six, 6-2. Six, Coco's going to win a title here. She's, you know, she gets close. She gets closer and closer, yeah, she, it feels like. And she's gone to a quarterfinals in a couple of the Grand Slams. I don't know if she's made it into a semi yet, but she, she's going to get there and win one. A big men's match tomorrow in the semis with top seed Carlos Alcarez facing Novak Djokovic. If Djokovic wins the tournament, he will become the all-time Grand Slam winner, surpassing Rafael Nadal. He and Nadal are tied right now. Okay. So if he wins the French, he'll be the all-time. He'll be the new goat of tennis, huh? that's it. Well, two security guards are being hailed as heroes after assisting a mother whose infant son was choking. It was just before noon that Joey Madrigal and Nico Nesbeth pulled into a gas station at a busy Beverly Hills intersection just a few days ago and saw a scene unfolding before them. A mother with a baby in her arms was screaming if anyone was a doctor and Nesbeth, a former Marine, rushed to help despite the fact he was not a doctor. Before he knew what was happening, the mother handed the baby to Nesbeth's arm, who talked with his partner and noticing the infant's face was blue. 
immediately flipped him over to start patting his back to clear his airways. As private security guards for the company covered six, Madrigal used his private communications line to 911 to get an ambulance there immediately. Just a few minutes later, well, their efforts helped the baby begin breathing again. Now, the whole incident was captured on the station's security cameras, and the two men are being hailed as heroes whose quick and decisive actions saved this baby's life. Nesbeth and Madrigal believe it was God's intervention mm. that saw them arrive on the scene at the precise moment and allowed them to help the mother and baby. The whole thing is on the security camera. If you go online, you wow. can watch the video. This poor mother just not knowing what to do. Sure. Hands her baby over and literally just kind of collapses on the ground mm. out of fear and then just prays. And, and these men, well, they got it taken care of. God bless them. It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community. And this Saturday at 7.30 a.m. is the Corpus Christi procession in Beaverton at St. Cecilia's Catholic Church. 7.30 a.m. is the rosary in the church, and then 8 a.m. is mass. And then after that is a procession with St. Cecilia's Parish and the annual Corpus Christi through the streets of Beaverton. Now that's on Saturday. On Sunday, there will also be more Corpus Christi processions at in Springfield, Mount Angel, Silverton, Portland, and Milwaukee. If you go to our website, you're going to find all of those processions with the times and information you need to know to be there for this special event. That's perfect time you talk about that because we're going to talk about Corpus Christi with Miriam Marston. We'll do that right after the forecast. Support for Monterey Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbuybark.com or 503-645-6665. Good morning. Please join me, Father Martin King, pastor of St. Thomas More Catholic School and Parish, in this morning prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O God, enlighten my mind with truth, inflame my heart with love, inspire my will with courage, enrich my life with service, pardon what I have been, sanctify what I am. Order what I shall be, and thine shall be the glory, and mine eternal salvation. Through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless. For more prayer resources, please visit our website at materdayradio.com or check the prayer section on the new Hail Mary Media app. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including True North Retirement Advisors, a clear path to financial freedom. With decades of experience, True North Retirement Advisors helps business owners exit their business and retire with financial security. Information on how to get started with the business exit strategy plan and scheduling a no-cost consultation is available online at truenorthretirementadvisors.com. 
During June, Matraday Radio unites with Catholics around the world to start the summer by honoring the most sacred heart of Jesus. Grow closer to Christ during this special time through our three daily broadcast of the Holy Mass, the Sacred Mysteries of the Rosary, the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, and a wide variety of inspiring spiritual reflections. Matraday Radio is also honored to take your specific intentions to the most sacred heart of Jesus through our powerful prayer hotline. Share your personal requests with our dedicated prayer team right now by clicking the pray button on the Hail Mary Media app and matradayradio.com or call the prayer hotline directly, 503-285-3737. That's 503-285-3737 and let us pray for you throughout the month of June as we lead souls into the most sacred heart of Jesus through the Immaculate Heart of Mary at Matraday Radio. And it is 814 here at Mater Day Radio. Well, daytime highs not reaching the level that they did yesterday. Still going to be a pretty warm day. A few more clouds filling the sky this afternoon as highs top out right around 87 degrees. Overnight, we're going to cool down to the upper 50s. Then by Thursday, we're back to the low 80s. No rain in the forecast in the next weekend. We're going to stay in the upper 70s to 80s all next, all the rest of this week and into yeah. next. I'm glad to hear it's a little cooler because it's yard work day today. Okay. So I, I'll be Wear happy. your mask. <laughs> I, Call and count over 1,300, yeah, David. You can count on that. <laughs> uh, 57 degrees at St. Vincent's Church in Salem. And it is 60 degrees at St. Rose Catholic Church up in Longview. Well, she is the host of Blazing the Trail, heard every Wednesday evening at 7.30 on Mater Day Radio or anytime on the Hail Mary Media app and the Faith Formation Director at St. Anthony Catholic Church in Tigard. We say a very hearty good morning to our good friend, Miriam Marston. Good morning, Miriam. Good morning, David. It's great to be on with you. Great to talk with you today. And, you know, I don't know if you heard our last newscast, but i got to ask you, because I know you're very musical, a singer, and we were talking about the passing of Astrid Gilberto, who was the singer in the song, The Girl from Ipanema. Do you know the song? I do know the song, yes. I don't know the words. I, like, hear the tune. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of iconic. It's uh, it it's been out there for for years, but uh, it was interesting because it was one of the most recorded songs in the history of music. A lot of different people did it. So I'm I'm expecting a recording from you now from the girl from Ipanema. <laughs> I'll see what I can do, David. <laughs> okay, very good. Well, at mass on Sunday, Father was talking about. Of course, we just finished up Easter, and then we've had these uh, string of really special Sundays. It was Pentecost Sunday, then it was the Most Holy Trinity, and this Sunday it's a Solemnity, the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ, also known as Corpus Christi Sunday. So we were talking, too, about there's going to be a lot of processions around the area. We're talking in Springfield, up here in Portland, and so I don't know if it's kind of a new thing, but it's nice to see. Yeah, and you know, David, I'm actually not sure when the tradition of the Corpus Christi processions began. Um, I Yeah, I'll, I'll have to look into that, because I'm not actually sure when sure. that started. In the life of the Church, um, I will say that I've been a part of a number of Eucharistic processions. Um, they had a, a few of them when I was in Boston, and it was very powerful to see the procession move through uh, move through Boston, and then here in Portland, I've been um, I've participated in some processions, and it it's really um, 
it really gets the attention of onlookers yeah. <laughs> who who have absolutely no idea like what it looks so um, unusual. This is something that uh, I've had multiple conversations with folks who said they had never seen anything like this in their life. Um, now, what's interesting is for some, and I noticed this in Boston when I was in the processions, that there were um, folks who would come out of their apartments or homes and they would uh, they were able to recognize you know, what was happening, um, but they had been away from the church mm. for a really long time. And there was something about seeing this is the, the body of Christ that is processing through the streets of the city. And I would just look um, at these folks who would just start crying because they knew the significance of this. And I think it uh, it can be a moment of powerful uh, re-evangelization for those who have perhaps been away from the Church for a while, and it's an invitation for them to come back. Yeah, it's very true. And again, I'll remind folks that with these processions happening both Saturday and Sunday throughout the Archdiocese of Portland, if you go to Matarday's radio website, matardayradio.com, our community calendar, we have many of these listed so you can see the times, the dates, where they'll be taking place. So if you do want to participate, there certainly is an opportunity in your community to do so. You just have to locate where you want to be at a particular point in time. I really like what you say, too, about that, Miriam, about the processions. Just it's it's a uh, evangelization tool, I guess, when people see that. Who knows who you might affect when when this procession goes by? Right, and I have heard so many stories, too, um, you know, they, nothing even needs to be said. Right. It is the presence of Jesus that speaks volumes already. And there is just something that stirs in a person's heart, even without any explanation or any, any description of, of what's actually being done. I think it just, it just, it has the, He, the Lord, has the ability to just pierce right through the human heart and say, I am here. And this is really the beauty of this feast day, right? That we get to, to really focus in on this. Of course, every single day could be an opportunity, sure. especially Sundays, to, of course, contemplate um, the, the great beauty of the body of Christ. But uh, I, I think, again, the Church, in her wisdom, having a day set aside for this. You know, David, I didn't really know the origins of Corpus Christi, um, uh, the, the solemnity of it. Um, I, I looked it up, and I, I learned something new, <laughs> that yeah. it was... Uh, it's thanks to a 13th century Norbertine canonist from mm-hmm. Belgium, St. Juliana of Liège, and she had had this vision where she saw the church was a full moon, but it had a dark spot, and that spot, um, it signified that the church was missing this feast dedicated um, solely to the body and blood of Christ. Now, many years later, her bishop got word of this vision, and eventually um, that led to the universal feast of Corpus Christi. So I, I learned something new. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know great. that that was the origin of, of the feast day. Um, but again, just to be able to have this, this opportunity to uh, just reflect with a deep intentionality on this great gift of the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. You know, um, as we approach the weekend, um, David, if I may su- just suggest two things sure. for listeners. 
um, as we as we just prepare to to participate in this beautiful day in the church. One is is to do um, a Alexio Divina and imaginative prayer with John six. Of course, that's the bread of life discourse in the Gospel of John, where Jesus lays out very uh, very clearly, very explicitly that he is is giving us his body as uh, as food as drink. He mm-hmm. says very clearly. His body is our true food. His blood is our true drink. And so I would invite um, really all of us to place ourselves in that crowd as he is speaking to the disciples and let those words really wash over us, uh, over us and really kind of take in uh, the reality of what he is saying and then place ourselves in that exchange between Jesus and the disciples where many disciples left the crowd that day because they couldn't handle like the saying what Jesus was saying right. about his uh, about his body, um, and to be able to hear Jesus say to us very directly, you know, does this shock you? And will you stay or will you go? Mm. And to really pray about that and to enter into that exchange as though we were there ourselves in the crowd hearing this for the very first time. And then um, we have Simon Peter's beautiful response where he says, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Um, We have come to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. So really praying with those words and and cultivating that own sense of trust in our Lord's words. Peter does not respond with, Oh, yes, Lord, we have a perfect academic understanding of what you have just said to us. But he responds with an act of of faith. so I would recommend uh, looking over uh, that that text. And also, this is a little bit different, but to look up a painting called After First Communion oh. by Carl Frithjof Smith from 1892. Uh, this is radio, so it's hard to describe it, <laughs> sure. of course. But it's, it's, a, it's a crowd of people outside of a church after a First Communion. But there's this central figure, a young girl who is standing very straight, and she's holding her candle almost like a sword. Wow. <laughs> and she's got her rosary and her book, and she looks so focused. She has a this kind of deep confidence about what just happened. She just received our Lord Jesus in communion. There's a steadiness about her, a sense of mission. I, I look at this multiple times a day in my office, and it's a recollection, really, of the wonder of the Eucharist and how the Lord fills us up with His presence, and then He sends us out on mission to bring His presence to the world mm. and to proclaim the truth of His presence uh, wherever we can. That's beautiful. And who is who is the artist on that? Sure, his name is Carl Frithjof Smith, and beautiful. it's in 1892. Yeah. Ah, wonderful, wonderful recommendations, Miriam. She is the host of Blazing the Trail, heard every Wednesday evening, 7.30, Mater Day Radio, on the Hail Mary Media app and the Faith Formation Director at St. Anthony Catholic Church in Tigard. So, Miriam, thank you so much for your thoughts this morning. I wish you a very blessed Corpus Christi Sunday. Likewise, David. Take care and God bless you. You as well. And it is 824 here at Mater Day Radio. I love that image. While she was saying that, I did a quick search on it. It is incredible. In fact, on the podcast of Miriam's interview today, well, I'll add a link to where you can see that image for yourself. Incredibly beautiful. And also, while you're online today, head over to the community calendar. You are going to find all of those Corpus Christi processions that are happening on the community calendar. You're going to find it under the Get Involved menu. You'll also access the calendar on the Hail Mary media app. 
Support for Mater Dei Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, family dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco, family dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Support for Mater Dei Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including the Catholic Youth Organization and Camp Howard. CYO offers local youth positive sports activities throughout the school year and summer camp programs at Camp Howard near scenic Mount Hood. Sports and camp registration information can be found on the web at CYOCampHoward.org. That's CYOCampHoward.org. A great way to support Mater Dei Radio is through our Leadership Circle. These are businesses and organizations whose names you hear on the air every day. They believe in our mission of providing the region with positive Catholic radio programs of faith and hope. Simply put, our Leadership Circle members keep our broadcast strong through their financial generosity. If you run a business or organization, please join us. We need you. Information on our Leadership Circle at materdayradio.com. They're not baristas, but they do serve up a good cup of joy. It's the Morning Blend with David and Brenda on Mater Day Radio. And it is 827 at Mater Day Radio. Wildfire smoke choking the Northeast this morning. We'll have the details in the news. And Pope Francis held his regular Wednesday audience this morning, then checked into the hospital to undergo abdominal surgery. I'll have an update for you coming up in three minutes. Here is Marie Miller and two to one. We are the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio, leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary. It hasn't been so long since we were like a diamond sky. Constant we were strong, sparkling and bright. The storm came rolling in, dying and the rain fell hard. Bye. 
Larry Miller and 2 to 1. It is 8.30 at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. And in your news, Pope Francis is scheduled to undergo surgery under general anesthesia at the Gamelli Hospital this afternoon, the press office said from the Vatican. Now, the operation will involve an abdominal wall reconstruction with prosthesis under general anesthesia. Now, the hospital stay will last several days to allow for the normal post-operation progress and full functional recovery, says the Holy See. Now, the 96, excuse me, the 86-year-old pontiff held his weekly general audience in St. Peter's Square this morning without showing any particular signs of fatigue. He was still on his feet in the square, greeting newlywed couples when the press office announced his upcoming operation. Now, the Pope left at around 10.50 a.m. local time and returned to the Roman hospital that he had visited Tuesday for clinical tests. The operation coordinated over the last few days by the medical team assisting Pope Francis said it has become necessary due to incarcerated laparoseal, which causes recurrent painful and worsening subocclusive syndromes. Now, I've been looking throughout the show in the last two hours, and we've not gotten any additional mm-hmm. updates on Pope Francis. Uh, but they did say uh, Cardinal Pietro Perilin announced uh, when reporters asked questions about it that there has been no transfer of power during the time that Pope Francis was in surgery. Right. They expect him to be able to start uh, getting back to business in his uh hospital room so it's a little after 4 30 in the afternoon it is they're about yeah. they're eight hours ahead of us yep all right well bear sightings in portland's forest park have been in the news lately now cougars have been spotted prowling the woods of the popular sandy ridge trail system near mount hood two cougar sightings were reported at sandy ridge last week according to the oregon department of fish and wildlife though neither resulted in any injuries The first incident happened Wednesday, that was on May 31st, when a mountain biker reported a cougar briefly chasing them on the lower portion of the hide-and-seek trail. Then a second sighting was reported Friday, June 2nd, near the kiosk on the upper end of the hide-and-seek trail. And a third sighting was reported at the nearby Faraday Dam outside of Estacada. Officials say if you do encounter a cougar, do not run. Instead, stay calm, keep your ground. Maintain firm eye contact with the animal and back away slowly. If the animal seems aggressive, raise your arms, clap your hands, and speak loudly. So the cougar sightings, I don't know. They don't really know if it's more than one cougar or if it's just the same cougar that's being spotted. But needless to say, (laughs) there is a cougar. Okay, there is a cougar. So Oregon Coast, was they were spotting, what, a badger recently? Uh, That was on the Columbia on the Columbia, so yeah, that was badgers, the plumber. badgers, cougars, cougars, and bears. Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> well, Pope Francis on Tuesday appointed two new auxiliary bishops for San Diego, who both immigrated to the U.S. as teenagers. The Vatican announced on June sixth that Father Michael Pham, fifty-six years old, and Father Felipe Polito. 53 years old, will be consecrated as bishops for the Diocese of San Diego. Pham is San Diego's current vicar general and escaped Vietnam in a refugee boat with his siblings when he was 13 years old. Now, Polito is the vicar for clergy and vocations director for the diocese 
of Yakima, Washington. He was born in a small town in Mexico in the state of Michoacan and is the oldest of seven children. At age 12, he entered a minor seminary in Mexico where he studied through high school. Then when he was 18, Polito came to the U.S. with his parents and worked in the fields in Washington picking and packing fruit. He's worked as an assistant teacher for three years at the Epic Migrant Head Start program before entering Mount Angel Abbey Seminary in Oregon in 1994. Now he spent time in Rome as a student at the Pontifical North American College, earned a degree in sacred theology with honors at the Angelicum in Rome in 2000. He was ordained to the priesthood for the Diocese of Yakima in 2002. And Polito has served as the pastor of St. Joseph Parish in Kennewick, Washington, since 2020. You know, you think about this, the legacy of the Mount Angel Seminary. Oh, it's just incredible. It it is. I mean, the men who are spread out around the world. For sure. I mean, certainly in the Northwest, in the Archdiocese of Portland, but you have men coming from all over that go through the Mount Angel Seminary, and and just like your story there, where they end up, and I mean, it's amazing. Father Stu, the movie, he was was at the Mount Angel Seminary. Pretty pretty remarkable. It is a wonderful, wonderful blessing to have the Abbey here. Well, we all know about wildfire smoke here in the Northwest, but now it's the Northeast that is getting all choked up. New York City had the world's worst air pollution of any major city during parts of yesterday as heavy smoke from more than 100 wildfires burning north of the Canadian border drifted south. That has prompted New York Mayor Eric Adams to ask residents to limit their outdoor activity and state environmental officials to issue an air quality health advisory for the city through today. New York City Public Schools canceled all outdoor activities today but will remain open. At least 10 school districts in central New York State canceled outdoor activities and events yesterday. The smoke has also triggered air quality alerts in parts of Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, and the Carolinas. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they are hoping for some relief mm. soon because they've been getting smoke for quite a while. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Dry, itchy eyes? Yes. Runny nose? Yes. Sneezing? Yes. Well, and if you're in the Willamette Valley and you're experiencing any of those symptoms, it might be due to the incredibly high grass pollen counts in mm-hmm. the valley. You've been suffering, David? I have been suffering. Dr. Craig Jacobson, a medical director at Oregon Allergy Associates in Eugene, said we had a very unique weather pattern this year that had March and April very wet and cool. Then the weather dried up and warmed up. All the tree pollen came. As the grass plays catch up, the pollen counts have just been getting progressively higher over time. Now, Jacobson said tree pollen was high in the early spring. Now it's wild grasses and cultivated grasses coming on with record amounts of pollen in the air. Now, Oregon Allergy Associates list daily pollen counts on their website. Dr. Jacobson said in the last several days, the grass pollen count has been extremely high. Yes. So he expects the numbers to continue to go up. So according to pollen counts, any number above 250 is high, David. Tree pollen was at a mere 26. Not a big deal right now. Grass pollen, 1301. That's great. And it's going to go up. Yeah. And what's considered high? 250. 250 is high. I'd say we're a little high. So I have an app on my phone. 
uh-huh. for for the pollen count for the Portland area, just so I can monitor it every day to see what I want to do if I, you know, go outside. I, I literally, the last couple of days, have stayed indoors just because yeah. when I've gone out for a walk, I've come back and just just a mess. Even though I do take some allergy medicines, so I'm looking at my app right now as we speak. Grass pollen today very high, tomorrow very high, <laughs> Friday very high. So there you go. So we've been wondering why you get into a hazmat suit every time (laughs) you leave the station. That's about right. Well, in sports, I don't know if anybody saw this coming, but despite lawsuits and bad blood between golfers, the PGA and the Saudi-backed Live Golf announced a merger on Tuesday in a stunning end to their bitter rivalry on the fairways and in the courts. The agreement will also end all litigation prompted by the PGA's suspension of players who had ignored its threats and played in live events. PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan told the Associated Press that the merger was necessary to end all the tension in the game. Tuesday's announcement came nearly one year after Monahan blasted players for signing up for live events, saying the association with the Saudi fund would leave a moral stain. Golf legend Phil Mickelson, who had led prominent players away from the PGA Tour to help form Live, tweeted his approval of the news yesterday morning. Yeah, I don't know if this is going over real big with the PGA players. Really? I, yeah, I, well, you know, they stuck with the PGA while some of their other golfers went over to the Live and got a huge, you know, contract with mm-hmm. them. They stuck up for the PGA, and now the PGA says, we're going to join forces with Liv, and yeah, it's. I think there's a lot to happen here still. Okay. We'll see. I uh, Seems like there might be a dollar figure involved oh, in all I of this. I can guarantee you there is. <laughs> well, the Franciscans are well known for their introduction of the Stations of the Cross to local churches around the world. It is a popular devotion based on the events surrounding Jesus' passion and death. In recent years, other devotional stations have been introduced, including one known as the Stations of the Eucharist. Now, this devotion is similar to the traditional Stations of the Cross in that it features 12 stations that are based on various scripture passages. Now, in this context, the passages come from the Old and New Testaments and are focused on the Holy Eucharist. The Port Clares of Perpetual Adoration in Alabama, of course, formerly led by founder Mother Angelica, are strong promoters of this devotion and have developed beautiful meditations for each station. Now, some of those include the Jewish Passover. That's station two. This is the prefigurement of the Eucharistic sacrifice. The wedding at Cana is another one of those stations. This is water to wine, wine to blood. And the Bread of Life Discourse. In fact, Miriam was just talking about the Bread of Life right. Discourse. Is Jesus is the Bread of Life. And then finally, the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. The Eucharist is the Pledge of Eternal Life. Now, this is a beautiful devotion, one that is rooted in Scripture and focused on one of the greatest gifts given to humanity. Mm. It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community. We'll head across the river on Sunday in Vancouver at 5 o'clock. There is the Emmanuel Concert happening at Our Lady of Lords Catholic Church. All ticket proceeds will be used to fund this year's 
Keeper of the Kingdom Theme Vacation Bible School. Take a musical walk through scripture as it points to our Messiah. Featured vocalist is Rebecca Lancaster and Deacon David Robinson on the drums. Hey. That should be fun. Yeah. Concert tickets will be available for purchase after masses there as well as online. And remember, you can find details on these and other events. Head over to the community calendar, materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary Media app. Well, I'm just looking at our community calendar and there is a lot going on in the month of June. Uh-huh. And so we're going to talk about June, go through the calendar. We'll do that right after the forecast. Support for Monterey Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbuybark.com or 503-645-6665. St. Benedict sees patience as a way we really participate in the sufferings of Christ. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. Patience is an important virtue in the life of a Benedictine monk. In the rule of St. Benedict, he asks us to bear each other's infirmities. Not only infirmities that take the form of physical illness, which is easy to understand, but those infirmities that are psychological and spiritual, too. St. Benedict also asks us to put up with the weaknesses we all have. Whether it's my abbey or your family, there are many opportunities for patients when living with others in community. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com, O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com. What a difference it would make if we bore the weaknesses of others with patience and saw them as invitations to immerse ourselves in the love with which Christ bore his sufferings. Holy Family Catholic Clinic is looking for a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner, psychologist, or licensed clinical social worker who is passionate about their mission of respecting the dignity of each person, mind, body, and spirit. If you or someone you know is looking to make a difference, please contact Holy Family Catholic Clinic by sending an email to info at holyfamilyclinic.com. I am Father Cedric Bizania. I'm a passionist, religious, and a Catholic priest, and the host of Live With Passion. My motto is touching lives and saving souls. I hope you will tune in each week on Modern Day Radio, Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. It's designed to inspire and encourage you. It's real practical. We talk about real-life issues, things that people are going through. I'm so grateful that you're listening to Modern Day Radio. Don't just live, live with passion. Hello there. It are is. You, are you going to join us? <laughs> I was talking to Patrick. I know. We were talking to cougars <laughs> out there wandering around. Uh, it is 844 at Monster Day Radio, or I should say 845. Just just, just went into the 845 category. Going to be a nice day today. A little cooler yesterday. Got to 92 yesterday. Today, 87. Some morning clouds out there. Cloudy overnight tonight. Low of 
57, and then even cooler tomorrow, Thursday. This is kind of perfect. You know, partly sunny, 81 degrees. That's a pretty nice day. That's a really nice day for sure. Now, if we could just get rid of the pollen, it'd be really nice. Almost perfect. That's right. Currently, it is 62 degrees at St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Vancouver. Uh, 61 degrees at St. Andre Bissette Catholic Church, downtown Portland. It's good to the last drop. A second cup of the morning blend with David and Brenda. Well, we are officially one week through the month of June. Yeah. It's the 7th already. Don't go by too fast, though, June. We've got a lot of things to celebrate this month. We're going to take a little time to talk about some important things to remember and get on your calendar for the month of June. Yes. I'm going to get it right off the bat. First thing, everybody needs to remember June 18th. June 18th. It's a very, very wonderful day. Is it? Not as big as Mother's Day, probably, but Father's Day (laughs) is coming up on that Sunday, June 18th. It is equally as wonderful and important. I don't don't know about that. (laughs) So if you had a pick of the best thing that you could get for Father's Day, what would that be? Ooh, that is a very good question. Man. Because everybody is going to go by what you say in this moment, David, Uh to get their Father's Day gifts. So you better make sure that you're right on the money with it. You know, I'm going to say that I don't, from a material standpoint, I don't really need anything. I don't, you know, I, I would, my gift for Father's Day would be just spending time with family. That's it. That's it. I don't the, the the stuff no I no interest really. Yeah, I just I like just hanging out with the family. Like having a barbecue mm-hmm. or whatever. Perfectly good with me. Give me a nice dessert. Okay. You know, there you go. That's I'm very that would I'd be very happy with that. David, you know that is actually one of the top things that dads want for Father's Day. Yeah, I could see they that. They don't want stuff, no, ties, no. t-shirts, socks. They don't want that. They just want time. Yeah. With their family. And it may be a little bit of quiet in the afternoon so they can get in an extra nap. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I you know, I'm not I'm not a big napper, but no, I I to me Sitting out on a nice day in the backyard, grilling something up and just spending time and just hanging out with family. That's that couldn't be anything better for me. Uh, yeah, I I couldn't agree yeah. more. And we we're kind of looking forward to that. So on today's second cup, even though we are already a week into the month, we thought we'd talk about some of the big events also in our liturgical calendar that are coming up. We've been spending a lot of time talking about this. This is a big event in 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 liturgical you know calendars. The yeah. Most Holy Body and Blood. Of Christ. Mm -hmm. That is on the 11th. That's this Sunday. It is. We're calling it also Corpus Christi. That's correct. Right. That is the processions that are happening. Now, David, before we moved to Portland, we lived in a smaller town in Humboldt County in California. Mm -hmm. There was a large Portuguese community there. And this feast day of Corpus Christi was a huge celebration for them. Nice. And they would have girls that would dress up. They almost look like wedding gowns, young girls, mm-hmm. not married. And they would um, not compete, but they would do these different things to vibe to be crowned as the the queen, I guess, of Corpus Christi. They had yeah. these long, long... Um, 
like uh, trails that mm-hmm. that they would wear. Uh, they would get the local high school band nice. to come and lead them from church. They, of course, would have the Eucharistic procession. We'd go to Portuguese Hall in uh, Arcata and uh, or it's McKinleyville. In McKinleyville. Yeah. No, Arcata. In Arcata, excuse me. And have a wonderful meal uh-huh. on Corpus Christi. How fun. I miss it. Yeah. It's That's a wonderful great. time. Well, and we again, we've got Corpus Christi processions. I know we, we were talking about this earlier. Uh, down in Springfield, St. Alice Church. I know in Beaverton, St. Cecilia. I mean, where else? I mean, there's a bunch. Go to our community calendar. We got them all listed there. Absolutely. Now, if your parish is also having a Corpus Christi procession, let us know, too. We're going to get it on that calendar because, yeah, it's happening in a lot of areas. And some of them are just on the grounds of the church. Many of them are going through the streets, including mm-hmm. St. Mary's Cathedral. They're going to go out into the streets there for sure. Go. Yeah. Now, we also talk about how the Catholic Church has a dedication for every month of the year. The month of May, of course, dedicated to our Blessed Virgin Mary. The month of June, dedicated to the most sacred heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that specific day, that solemnity, is on Friday, June 16th. Yep. So that is the day that we celebrate the Sacred Heart. Many saints have talked about this devotion. There are many prayers to the Sacred Heart and litanies and novenas that can be prayed. And be sure to download the Hail Mary Media app. You'll have access to all of those. And then what is so beautiful, because when you see that image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, so often it is like a dual image because next to the Sacred Heart is Mary with the Immaculate Heart. Mm. And of course, the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, one day later okay. on the 17th. And so I love it. I think it was one of the share gifts not to... Not too long ago, uh, where we gave away that diptych, that right, two I remember that. arched Sacred Heart Immaculate Heart gift. Absolutely beautiful uh, to have. So no, I have it sitting. It's right here. Do you have yeah, one right it's there? Right up at, yeah, see it sitting right here. They always go together, and so it they makes do. sense that these two feast days would be right next to each other. And then here's another little feast day coming up just uh, on the 24th. So that is on a Saturday, the last Saturday of June. Mm-hmm. That is the Nativity of St. John the Baptist. Right. So that is his birth. And something real beautiful in a tradition of thought uh, is that when Mary visited Elizabeth, while she was pregnant with St. John, St. John leapt in her womb. And they say that it was the presence of John and Christ in the womb of Mary that John uh, was baptized. Ah. And so he was born, they say, without the original sin. Right. Because he was already baptized in the womb during that moment Mm. of the visitation. Interesting. I just think that's a beautiful, beautiful um, memory and thought. It is. Yeah, lots to go on. We don't want to get too fast through the month, but it looks like June is just shaping up to be a wonderful month on the David calendar of (laughs) favorite months. That's it. We hope you enjoyed today's second cup. Support for Mater Dei Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco Family Dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. 
Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including University of Portland, dedicated to excellence and innovation in the classroom. Ranked as one of the top colleges in the West by U.S. News and World Report, the University of Portland is home to robust undergraduate and graduate programs in its Colleges of Arts and Sciences and its Schools of Business, Education, Engineering, and Nursing. Learn more at up.edu. Hello, I'm Kevin Doran. And I'm Carla Wehrman, co-host of Sunday Commentary. Join us every weekend on Mater Day Radio, Saturday mornings at 7 and Sunday mornings at 8, as we break down the scripture readings so you can better prepare to enter into the beauty and mystery of the Holy Mass. It's fun, fast, and faith-filled. Let us share our love of the good news with you, Saturday mornings at 7 and Sunday mornings at 8 on Mater Day Radio. The bridge between your faith and everyday life. It's joy. It's inspiration. It's the Morning Blend with David and Brenda on Mater Day Radio. And it is 8.55 at Mater Day Radio. We're going to see some morning clouds out there. They'll burn off and we'll have a high of 87 degrees today. Partly cloudy overnight, low of 57, and then partly sunny for Thursday, high of 81. Friday, a little cooler yet, 77. Currently 63 degrees in the Rose City. And closing out our show today, here is Joshua Blakesley and sing Alleluia. And we are the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life.
That is Joshua Blakesley and sing Alleluia. It's 859 at Mater Day Radio. That's going to wrap it up for the Morning Blend on this Wednesday, middle of the week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tomorrow, Thursday already, zipping right through this week of June. First first full week of June, I guess we should say. So, okay. Uh, yeah, appreciate you tuning in. What's up to plans this afternoon? Uh, I uh, am going to go shopping with my daughter. She's got a pass to one of these employee stores from oh, our yeah? local place. It expires today. Uh-oh, you better get out there and so do we that. Gotta, I'm going home to Vancouver, waiting for her to come home from work, and then we're coming back to Portland. Oh. Okay, well, there you go. That's going to take up a lot of time. uh, Be careful if the bridges are going up because the ships are coming in. Remember. Okay, I'll remember that for sure. Keep uh, keep the lookout for that. That is going to wrap it up for us on the Morning Blend, blazing the trail with our friend Miriam Marsham on this evening at 730. We hope you have a blessed day.